0: Hello and welcome to Stand Up World. It's a good day to be listening and watching and or both to Stand Up World because we have a great guest today. Truly, and I'm not just saying this, one of my favorite comedians of all time. I think this guy is so special. I really do. I just, I love where he comes from. I love the way he looks at the world. I, I I went and saw him do a full show a while back, and I was just blown away. His name is Doug Stanhope, and he and I actually have to raise my voice a little, like an announcer, when I say his name. That's how impressed I'm. Say hello to Patrick Arnold, ladies hey, and gentlemen. Like. Patrick, how are you, buddy?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm excited. Doug Stanhope, you know how hard I worked to get this guy on the show? Yes, I had to work very hard to get Mr. Stanhope to come be on the show. And he finally said yes. I think he just wanted to be left alone. I'm going to just do his stupid ass podcast just to shut him up. But I I just, I I love him. You know, he really, he's just, he's like the Hunter S. Thompson of stand-up comedy. You know, he really is. And he, he does his own thing and he created his own world. And anybody knows anything about what I'm doing here with this, that's those guys, those are the guys that really light my fire. Guys that just did their own, do their own thing and bushwhack through the woods. So he's here today. Let's get to him. Ready? Doug Stanhope. Doug Stanhope, how are you, buddy? Thank you so much for doing this. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time.
1: Yes. How are you, Mike?
0: I'm doing well. You know, when I did that comedy store documentary, you were like um like a ghost. <laughs> you know, you were <laughs> like a guy that I couldn't get to, I didn't do just you weren't around, and every, you you got mentioned a lot, and you were, your picture was around a lot. And I just, I didn't really, I I missed you. We you were gone, I was gone by the time you showed up at the comedy store, and you were gone by the time I came back.
1: But yeah, I was uh, I, I was always a a. a intermittent guest at the comedy store. I was never a regular. I was never a, you know, weekly basis guy. And I, I, haven't lived in LA for 18 years. So, so now I get back maybe once every year or two.
0: Well, you're living like in Arizona <clears throat> somewhere, right?
1: Yeah. Bisbee, Arizona.
0: Yeah. What is that like a witness protection thing or what are you doing?
1: <laughs> it might as well be. It's kind of a hippie town. It's like 5,000 people on the Mexican border. So I I I live my life to avoid traffic. Is that what it is? Yes.
0: <laughs> I do that by staying home.
1: Yeah, I do that too. I'm a I'm a I'm not a, agoraphobic uh, as much as I uh, I mean I, I'm not afraid of going out. I just love I'm agoraphilic. It's like <laughs> more of a fetish. I I love not going out. I love my shit. I love my house. Um, we have a, we have a standalone uh, uh, the fun house where we used to record the podcast but now we, we we can put like 30 people in there so we do shows in there and I can select my audience from the 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 crowd of friends I have that okay that's a she's a good laugher let's sit her here and that guy always fucking talks back so let's not even tell him there's a show yeah so that's funny.
0: And is there I, 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 is there a club in your town or something or
1: anything that you no, can just no, jump no, up? No, no there's no comedy club. The the closest city is Tucson and even their comedy scene is fucking atrocious. They have one club that's one of those 80s relic clubs that yeah they they they're only open Friday Saturday and uh yeah, they're, they're they're not local friendly. So I
0: remember um I think it was phoenix the very first improv that was a a flagship club there was a guy named uh oh, i forget his name he wanted to be a comedian and he and he talked bud into doing a club and he opened up this beautiful club and in improv in, in in phoenix an improv it was a giant room with a, a big yeah big lofty room and And I, it was so long ago I was headlining and Andrew Dice Clay was the opener, the middle for me. That's how long ago it was.
1: Wow. Yeah, no, I remember that room. I started in Phoenix, basically. I started in Vegas for six months and then moved to, uh, moved to Phoenix and that place was just cavernous. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember going there for, uh, for one of the morning radio shows had their anniversary show live at six o'clock in the morning. They, they broadcast live from the improv. And I, I remember having bloody Marys and getting hammered cause they were doing, you know, they had stand up the local comics rotating through and you know, doing clean sets, but just getting drunk. And, and since I've, I've been doing some like noontime shows and it's, it's such a great, uh, like, just the feeling of of day drinking shows, and I, and I, I really want to like explore maybe doing some six a.m. shows just to That's see really what the funny. results are. That's really funny. It wasn't it like a, like a like oh, a barn,
0: cool. an arc kind of. Thing.
1: Yeah, it was like a, It was an airplane hangar. It was like yeah, I thought I think it sat like four hundred and change.
0: And Dice, Dice t- just told me recently, I totally forgot this. I don't think he was even Dice yet. They fired him on the second night. And they wanted to. And we talked him out of it. Me and the other comedian, I said, look, don't fire him. Don't." But I don't even, I, I, I guess, I don't even know what, they didn't like him or something. He was like Andrew Silverstein and, he was trying to remind me of the story, but they wanted to send him home. It was like this was, like,
1: was it for for being diceish?
0: I guess I I think that he didn't really have it wasn't focused enough. You know, it was just like, hey, fuck you, okay. But he was still a, a guy named Andrew Silverstein, and it didn't it it felt <laughs> incongruous or something.
1: Well, so you start I start ninety. Uh So, was there ever a period in the '80s that, like there is today, where you you had to be really clean generally, where you could get fired for just you know? I mean, I, I, it's it, it's that whole uh, Ellen DeGeneres kind of generation of comedy where that, that's why Dice and Kinnison exploded because it right. was just saturated with fucking airplane food you know, material. and
0: That's
1: right. And, you know, some guy comes out and says, cocksucker, and fucking, ah, oh, the roof comes off the place.
0: That's right. That's right. But, you know, and it was also, you got to remember at that time, we all needed to be on The Tonight Show, and we needed to, you know, it, it, I started in 77, right? All right. So we... When I was, it was a couple years in that we first were getting like shots on cable television where you could actually swear a little bit, you know. But everybody wanted to be clean and then wanted to be dirty some in the clubs. But you know, a guy like Dice, I had to. I'll hand it to him, man. He he used to go up in movie theaters. He would just go on before the trailers go up. He'd find places to go on stage and when he finally got the dice thing down, it, it was so raw and it was, you're right. It was, people were just ready to hear it. But I don't think, um, I think in the clubs, I remember that when, cause like I said, that was the first improv and, and there was the comedy castle in Detroit and in the punchline in Atlanta, there, there weren't that many comedy clubs, but you could pretty much say what you wanted to in those clubs. All right. You know, even though there were the the Ellens and the Jerry Seinfeld and you know leno Leno were pretty clean you know but he would swear now and then but you know you 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 could do the act you're doing now you know and and get away with it back then it's i, it's, I love it's, when
1: I see like Vegas posters I'm always searching for vintage shit on on eBay and comedy posters and i where you see, like, okay, and then at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. is going to be the comedy show. Like, Lenny Bruce would do, you know, they start at 4 a.m. And now, you know, a, a late show is 9.30.
0: That's right. Uh, Brett, you know who Brad Upton is?
1: Know the name.
0: He's, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. He was on the podcast last week, and he he's on Dry Bar. Is it one of those dry bar guys and, and that's uh, a that's a YouTube uh, channel and that's really clean and he but he plays Brad does shows to people at 530 in the afternoon, like an older crowd and yeah. just
1: packs them. I, I first of all, yeah, if, if no one's drinking, who gives a shit what hour it is? Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. And if, yeah, And I guess if I guess clean goes hand in hand with sober uh, as that's far as right. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect a, a, a dry dice clay show, no. Uh, no. But I, I do I do like getting it the fuck over with. I'm just doing it, like being done at two p.m. and packing up your shit and going back to the hotel. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And people have this kind of uh, you know, it, it, I would Kreischer would do uh, daytime shows and call it uh, calling sick to work shows, <laughs> and, and it, they all had that feeling like they're skipping school. Everyone walks in with a kind of a, a, a shit-eating grin, like they're getting away with something.
0: That's right. That's right. I, to me, I, I, you know, I like, I'm just old. You know, I, I just started doing stand-up again a year and a half ago, but I had a spot at the comedy store at 1045 last week, and I was like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Don't you understand? But But the truth is, once you get there, you realize the crowd's just getting loose and drunk, and that's a good time to be on stage, you know? But I you know, for me, you know, you got I gotta shift my clock a little bit because that's normally a guy, you know, where if I if I'm not doing stand-up, I'm in bed at that time, you yeah. know.
1: Yeah, I, I rarely do spots when I if I'm going to LA for other reasons to do you know, a promotion or whatever. I, I'll go to the comedy store, but I, I don't do sets. I don't. I don't know what how I to do fifteen minutes. I would have to like.
0: It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Well, well, it wasn't for me when I, after twenty eight years, I I had to do only sets because I, you know, I I can't couldn't do an hour. You know, you had to get. I had to get my legs back. You know. Yeah. But I'll tell you. I saw you at the comedy store in the main room, I think maybe a year ago, two years ago. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was before COVID even.
1: I They all blend together now. Yeah.
0: When did years you play the main, anymore. when did you do the main room? But it, it, I'm, could have,
1: it could have been a year ago. I made a, I, I remember I
0: heard about it. I, I just, I, I made a point to get down there and see it. And you did, you were fucking great, man. I, 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 I pissed my pants, you know, and, and that, but that was, I, I, I would say you did an hour and a half or an hour 20, something like that.
1: Probably. Yeah.
0: You know, it was, I guess you, at the time you were talking about your mom, your mom, um, passing and. Oh, um, that's,
1: that's a while ago.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: wait, maybe, maybe, all right. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's a, that was a callback to, uh, yeah about my dog dying. And then calling it back to my mother, yeah, that's yeah, that was that was a closer back then, yeah,
0: that's right, yeah, you close with all that, but I, you know, and and then you know, to me, like, and there's like guys like Brian Holtzman, you know, I used to sit and watch (laughs) him late at late at night at the comedy store, and and you know, people go shit, he's walking the room, and I'd say, well. These people, if they're leaving, they just want to go home. They, they couldn't be that offended by, the, by yeah. comedy. They're, they're just, they, it's late at night. He's not walking the room. They're just, he, look at the clock, you know? These yeah. People, anybody, I don't know anyone that could really get that offended by a comedy routine.
1: Yeah, but I think that it gets a lot of uh, a conflict gets clicks. If, if they, if you, no matter what you say on stage, somewhere, someone's going to take offense. My dad has diabetes. You shouldn't make fun of diabetes. Well, I wasn't, I just said the word diabetes. Uh, So, but now people go actively go out to find someone angry at something. And then they, they blow that up. People are outraged. No, you found someone. You 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 just you searched a word on Twitter, and you've found one person who said a negative thing, and turned it into a, people are outraged, and then everyone else takes an opinion on this non-existent outrage, and then they fight each other.
0: That's right, Patrick. Patrick has the, uh, works with you know John Tobin. Do you ever work in any of John Tobin's clubs mm. back in Boston, like the no. Laugh Laugh Boston, and. Uh... We no, had things. you
1: in uh in Detroit. We have the Detroit House of Comedy. Uh, oh yeah, that was great. North that was Clark fucking area. phenomenal. Yeah, you packed it out. It was awesome.
0: Well, I was playing uh what, what's it called? Off cabot?
1: Off Cabot in Beverly, yep.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh and I was just doing this joke about pedophiles, not pro pedophiles. I mean I don't I, there's not a lot of pro-pedophile material and, and if it, there was I wouldn't be doing it you know I just, but it was just pedophile jokes about and and I've been I'd been doing this bit and audience have been laughing at it and you know and for some reason this guy got up and he got so fucking mad at me he just started screaming and yelling at me you fucking asshole with the and it would have been fine if it was just and i let him just go off on me and but then some other broad like on the other side of the room like well, he's right <laughs> you know he's right and it was just so it just turned into this and it really and the whole time since I'd been back, you got to remember I hadn't been on. I, I went 28 years when I didn't do this, you know. So I was dealing with the different culture, and I hadn't had any problem with hecklers or any. I I've been saying I I say whatever I want to say. I don't. I don't. I.
1: Well, it's it's a big difference when you have when you have your own audience, uh, and I. I don't go out and shop material like Louis CK would talk about, you know, now you go to the comedy cellar and they don't know you're coming, you're going to get an honest response. Well, I I don't want an honest response. I I spent 33 years developing my own fan base. And those are the only people I want to play to. Why, why the, why am I going to risk getting fucking booed by some bachelorette party? Fuck. uh, Other than the simple joy of making them upset. Right.
0: uh, but my my thing on top of it is, is I I don't really care anymore. You know, I to me, it's like, I am I know I'm not an evil guy. I, I know I'm not, I'm not, I'm just like, this is funny to me. If it's not funny to you, it's okay. But I already know, I've already, it's like this one, by the way, I've already done this enough that no, it's funny, so fuck off. But in the whole time since I'd been back, I'd never had it. And it was one of these situations where I finally, the audience just turned into, it it became like the Oxbow incident, you know, it it just, they were yelling back and forth and yelling at each other and yelling at me. And I finally went, you know what, folks, good night, fuck it. And I walked off stage. I just, I fucking, I said, I'm too old for this shit. This is, you guys are acting like assholes. And, and I hadn't, it was just funny. I just, I couldn't believe. Remember this, Patrick?
1: Oh, yeah. I was going to say, it turned into like a Twitter
0: reply. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you put out a tweet and then the replies just started coming, but it was just like live in person. You know, everybody thought they had an opinion and wanted to <laughs> and talk. At, it was nuts. <laughs> at first, I was getting a kick out of it. Right, with the one guy, with the one guy, we were like, "Oh, he's just crazy," and then it was, yeah, it literally turned into like a comment section. This one woman kept popping up, and here's another point about this. I said, "This ain't the Phil Donahue show." (laughs) But you know, I think that's the other side of it too: is everybody in the world now? There's too many comment sections to everything in life. Everyone thinks their opinion is an important thing to to throw around, you know, our opinions
1: aren't that important. No, or, or necessary. No. And it's, it's, you can, you can be, uh, uninformed and it's okay to say, I I don't really know, but you can't buy a product without getting a fucking email saying, tell us what you think. How do we do? I know it's maddening. I know.
0: I know it's, it's unbelievable. Could you stay on afterwards and give us a little survey? Yeah. No.
1: No. Yeah. Pay me. Yeah. Pay me. Like, no, hey, if you fill te- out this gonna- survey, uh, we'll give you fucking twenty five percent off. Yeah. Offer me something, you fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. What if? What if Amazon, for that guy's Bezos? What if his email box was just jammed with? Every single customer sent one email to him saying, hey, tell me how I did as a customer. (laughs) Every time you bought something from Jeff Bezos, one email went to him. Just take a second, Jeff, and tell me how I did as a customer. What could I do better? Did you like that I paid with an American Express? Would you prefer Discover card, Visa?
0: (laughs) This is hilarious. (laughs) That's
1: great. That's great.
0: Did, did I get it? The, it? Was the soap that I ordered a good kind of soap, or would you rather me uh, have used a, a kind of a tied dishwashing soap? <laughs> uh, anything you need, just tell us what what I could do better as a customer.
1: I get the I, I have the email for uh, Delta's CEO, and uh, I, I I've been tempted to, but but I'm a Del- Delta loyalist. I like I'm a two million miler, and. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna shit where I eat. Yeah, but but yeah, if, if I get if, if I had the email address, I would I would try to get a a, a flash mob on that, just s- peppering them with surveys.
0: And then the other one I love is now every tablet I use, they say, "Do you want a tip on for everything?" And they asked me, "Do you want to do a custom tip, like?" 20%, 25 or custom, you go, yeah, I want to, I'm going to, I want to buy you a pony. Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, Give me your, give me your social security number. I'm going to, I'm going to actually leave you half of everything I have when I go. The way you just turned around and grabbed that bag of burgers. <laughs> I, you changed my life.
1: It's just- well, the, the, I, I, first of all, yeah, tipping is everywhere. They just, uh, but they're forced to do it a lot of the times. I the car wash I go to. Uh they they say and and would you like to add a gratuity? And you go, you know this kid doesn't want to ask. He they're making him ask. Like pay the fucking kids that work for you, you fuck. I want to talk to the fucking manager. Okay. I like I'm a very good Karen a lot of times. I will fucking take down when I see a Karen or or a uh, 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 an employee uh getting berated by his boss or a, you know, a manager flicking his employee shit. I can't wait to fucking tear him apart right in front of the kid. Cause you're not going to talk shit to a customer. Like, Hey, leave that fucking kid alone. You're lucky. Anyone works for you. You fucking bozo.
0: <laughs> Fuck the, you. The problem, the problem though nowadays is those, those, the, the boss, they're all like, they're, they're all ready just to go off on you though record this They're, they just jump over the counter and start berating you or slapping you around and go I can get a lot of views on this Wendy's manager goes off on old Jew that's the other thing that I think it's just like everybody every you you watch these things you go is everybody recording everything is 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 nobody's st- getting in the middle it's going hey hey stop it quit go don't 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 slap that kid instead everyone's going no this is actually good
1: good tv well that's always been my beef with people filming my act like people filming your show and you're like how many thousands of fucking ways do i have to tell you no it will not be tolerated you will be thrown out but then when the show goes haywire and someone starts, you know, the fisticuffs break out in the crowd and someone's yelling shit and being drugged by the, that's when you should be filming. And no one ever films that. <laughs> like that's the shit that's going to get you clicks. That's the stuff that's going to go viral on fucking YouTube. And where was your phone then?
0: Now, I imagine you have a lot of that in your show.
1: Yeah, I don't I, it's not usually it's not with anger. That's not animosity. I just, I, I attract drunks, you know, uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a, I'm a booze bag and drinkers come and they're not always good at it. And they're overzealous and they, they tailgate a little too early and a little too much. And, uh, yeah, that's a, there's a reason that we, you know, you go to the bar at eight and everyone's kind of the same. And if you leave at one, everyone's kind of the same, but, but you're shit face. Now you can't show up at the show midnight drunk at fucking seven 30 at night. It, I don't mind a drunk. As long as we're all on the same page, we have to work together. See,
0: no. you know, you know, let me ask you about another thing that I'm, I've always been really curious about with you because I, I don't know if you, the, the whole point of this podcast and I have this platform standup world, you know, when I came back after years of being away from stand-up comedy and the the, i kind of became a little fascinated with the underworld of stand-up and all these everybody who kind of built their own kind of world away from because when i was doing it you got you had to do the tonight show and hbo or this or that and so many guys created their own trails through the woods bushwhacked and you were fascinating to me you know that you just were another guy who just made his own way through the world you know and you don't seem connected in any way with show business yet you always seem to be doing new things you got a new movie out and your albums and books and how how do you do that
1: well i i I didn't know any better i didn't know that i couldn't like when i started las vegas had to be the worst place to try to start stand-up comedy in 1990, because there was a million open mic nights, but none of the clubs on the Strip would touch local talent. They would all their talent. Steve Shripa, I'm sure you worked for him. The Riviera. No, no. Even the MCs came from L.A. or New York. There was all. There was no place to grow out of the vacuum of open mics. There were guys that were doing open mics for 12, 15 years, and just. Do, I remember Geechee guy came down yeah. to an open mic. My, th- this guy that ran the open mic was trying to get like professional talent in to, to make this room take off. And between shows, Geechee guy came down. Someone heckled him. And he said, I don't come down to where you work and unplug the Slurpee machine. <laughs> the back of the room fell out. That's how removed the open mic scene was. They had never heard that heckler line. <laughs> like one of the most hackneyed fucking lines and the back of the room is destroyed. And of course the next week, everyone had their own version of that heckler line. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was so fortunately I fell in love with a girl in Phoenix and that's when I, I moved down and I get a job as a house MC at a club down there. And that's when I met working comics that got me triple gigs and, you know, just all those shitty little road gigs to start me off.
0: And, and you didn't feel like boy man I mean I am saying this with respect believe me man i because I, even though I was very entrepreneurial in what I did in the industry i I feel like I would I just felt like I had to be in la all the time and and play the game you know and and there, there you just you never felt that like uh, you know
1: I did 10 years in LA and I, I just hated it. I loathe cities. I hate traffic. I don't like that much. Yeah. I, I, I love small town, but generally small town means, you know, idiots, fucking rednecks, uh, small minded people. So when I found this town where I go, all right, it's kind of half hippie and half people that walk around with a gun on their you know, side arm on why do you need a gun in a fucking safe way? Really? Really? But everyone it balances out, so it's not too heavy either direction. And everyone leaves you the fuck alone. And and there's one traffic light and it's always green. <laughs> and you only do your own shows, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't do you know, uh, I don't go to if I'm in New York, I'll go to the Comedy Cellar, maybe say hi, but I don't I don't do sets.
0: And how, and has you been doing that for a while?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I even the, the last couple of years I lived in LA, I stopped doing sets. I stopped going out. I, there was no need for it. There's a kid out there that needs that five minutes. I'm sick of fucking saying that five minutes. So what, 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 what am I going to achieve? I don't, I still don't understand people who go unless you're working out new shit. Why are you going up? Give someone else a fucking chance. You just want to hear yourself talk. And
0: and I assume that you'll be working out new stuff while you're, and you're doing your shows, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, if I have new stuff, I'm opening with it. And if it, if it fucking tanks, then I go right back into the the stuff that I'm tired of saying. I just, I filmed, uh, I filmed, uh, it's been May now. I still haven't gotten around to giving the editor bullet points of the, but I filmed a special to put out, and uh, now, when I whenever I do go back out, I'm going to be starting completely from scratch, and I love that feeling. I love, yeah. I go out, book a bunch of shit towns in the mountain time zone, and you know, if you show up in Wyoming and Montana doing doing sets, they're not judging your act.
0: <laughs> but wait, can... Doug. Then, then I'm fascinated with this too. So you'll go out headlining a, a show, and you'll start completely over. You won't do any of the old stuff.
1: That's what I think. That's what all of us did after uh, after COVID. Eighteen months off. I wasn't doing Zoom shows or fucking silly drive-in <laughs> fucking no, nonsense. No, but I mean, like you get up there, people paid to see you, and you're you 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 don't want to. You're thinking oh, I fucking, don't. God, I'll, I'll go up with just papers. And, oh, hang on, what's the fucking yeah? Oh yeah, did you see this thing? Yeah, I'll have yellow legal pads, and that's great.
0: That's great. I, I, I saw this. You, you did this special in Vegas, which I thought was really great. But, but I thought there's so much of that stuff. If I saw that and I was a fan, I'd want to come back and see you. I'd want to see some of that stuff live. But a lot yeah. of people, a lot of comments go, "No, once you do it, I don't want to. I, I don't want to do it anymore."
1: Yeah, no, I, that's that's why it became a special is because I was sick of saying it. And I've already performed it in every English speaking country. I've milked this. That's why hey, why are you go, why are you playing the you know, Scandinavia or or us Aust- because uh, it's the only English speaking people who haven't heard this and it's easier to fly to Australia than it is to write a new hour. So I'm I'm going to go to Australia first. Yes. I will go to South Africa. I've never actually played South Africa, but, uh, yeah, if, if I had to film this special to a a place where no one saw it, that'd be the last place that I haven't
0: South Africa right now is it's a really good time for you as a white man to be playing. I would say, (laughs) I would say that or LA. I,
1: I, I, went there to visit once to Cape town, uh, just for vacation and, there was there was no civil unrest at the time but the tension was still palpable i did not i did not care for it
0: hey tell me real quick also about your movie because i heard it's great uh, someone saw it at Skank fest and said that it was fantastic
1: yeah it's uh called the road dog and it's uh yeah it's basically about you know a a a, a guy my age that's a, a an, uh, an alcoholic, chain smoking, drunk, you know, road comic. It's you, you get it. And then did you get it, a coach for that? Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> did, didn't need to audition
0: <laughs> Did you Didn't to play that a character like that. Yes. On Louis?
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's this, the, the character Eddie from that Louis. It's uh, as though yeah, he, if he hadn't killed himself, uh, and he was dying of liver failure now and found out he had a kid. That's the movie.
0: And how did that come about? It's
1: not hilarious. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, no. it's a drama. It's a drama. That's great. I like yeah. those
0: kind of movies.
1: And it's very low budget, so.
0: I heard it was really great. I heard you were great in it, by the way. I've heard that, too. Yeah, have you heard
1: that? <laughs> yeah. No, I heard it from comedians. Well, thank you. And yeah, that's it's, a a, it's t- out that's there. T-
0: by the way, you never hear comedians like Movies about comedians. It's like race car drivers all hate race car movies. Yeah, the the wheels were the wrong wheels.
1: Yeah, that's I I was that guy on the set. I'm like this. Like there's one scene where I, I I do comedy in a church, and uh, I go make it a, like a, a like a benefit or something. This doesn't make sense that what church and the, but these two writers were actually comics little older than me. he goes, no, that was actually a thing. There was the Southern markets. Churches would hire that do comics. And I'm like, all right, if it's,
0: I've never done a show in a church, but, or, but I don't know. (laughs) So did they come to you with this movie or? uh, Yes. Yeah. They,
1: they, uh, they emailed me and uh, my manager uh, said, uh, Hey, someone wants you to do a movie. It's, films 5 weeks in chicago in in february and i'm like, i'm not going to fucking chicago in the winter ever for any reason and i'm i'm not an actor and then i read the script and i go okay i don't have to be an actor because i play a chain smoking alcoholic
0: now comedian. is there any part of you that looked at that and go this is kind of offensive
1: no, no, but I, I can see, well, I, I see that a lot in other movies. Well, the, the girl that plays my girlfriend who is actually my ex girlfriend and plays my ex girlfriend in the movie, uh, she just got a role. Cause she, she puts her house up. Uh, she rents a house for a, a, a set location and some student film rented the house. And then she ended up getting the lead role as, and the movie is called the hag. I don't like that. <laughs> oh, she's. She was very happy when <laughs> she she found out that she had to get makeup. She thought she was like if if I have, if I'm just a natural hag, well then that's gonna hurt a lot.
0: That's uh, that's what I always wonder, man. You know, when you're writing these scripts, you go a big fat woman comes in and picks up a pizza. Pizza, you go Who, who's gonna want to go up for this role? <laughs> you know, just all right, but but obviously you saw that there was a lot of meat on that bone
1: yeah it was uh and uh i was there's i always that thing in your head where you go well if nothing else i'll get material out of it that's right like if it's if it sucks that bad at least and and i didn't get much material out of it i had a i had a a pretty good time doing it and and where can i see it it's on uh it's on a million streaming services that I don't even know what the fuck they are because I'm old. But it's on Prime. So it's on I, Prime, I, okay, hey, you good. Rented on Prime, The Road Dog.
0: Okay, good. Uh, I will watch it right away and uh, like Apple TV
1: and that kind of thing. Probably, or? yeah. Flubby and Nooney and Nooney, Shachi and fucking I don't know.
0: Done Clitoris. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Is that something you want to do more of? I, I'm I'm fielding offers.
1: Yeah, no. are you? That's Doug, great. stand up at Hotmail. <laughs> yep, I still use the Hotmail. No,
0: really, I'm serious.
1: Is that, I am. Is, I'm yeah? That's serious. Yeah, that's great. I got zero offers after I did Louie until this one.
0: And 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 is stand up, are you just going to stay with it
1: for the, you know? I don't plan on going out for a long time. I, uh, I had a house fire and I've been out of my house. No, it's going right to be right. done tomorrow. After oh, a, cool. almost a year out of my house, living out of hotels, that was a while ago, yeah, yeah, it was last Thanksgiving, of t- two days before, and now tomorrow, and I'm I have to literally I'll be moving in from scratch. Like literally, everything was taken out of my home. Like every the junk drawer was all in storage up until a couple of weeks ago, and now tomorrow I get to put all my shit back together, and I'm going to take my time doing it. And where are you now? I've been mean, uh, this uh, office we're trying to turn into a studio uh, that I rented here in Bisbee.
0: But I'll, but I'll tell you something, you know, and Louie said this to me. I was interviewing Louie for that doc and, and um he said one of the reasons that he did want to stay with stand up was because there's not a lot of stand-ups that have done it have as, as from an older point of view written material you know there's maybe george burns but he was just doing gags but comedians tend to die or flame out or give it up you know yeah
1: it's a or or they become successful and then they're out of touch right uh which i so, don't think you're yeah, gonna have carlin, that problem
0: in bigsby <laughs> yeah
1: but Car- carlin was still uh yeah he, he made his life enough hell that he had uh he, he still had grit
0: he had stuff to write about. Right. He had, he had drama. You didn't need. You didn't need to do a, a, a movie in the snow in Chicago. Right.
1: But uh, there's there's an ease to like when you're acting. You like you show up and you don't have to write anything. You just I, I I have to memorize these two pages today. Okay, I can do that.
0: I gotta tell you, I did it for a long time. It bored the fuck out of me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see where.
0: I was directing and when you're a director, the day goes by like that. You go, how could it be five o'clock already? And then you're 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 an actor and you go, wait a minute, it's still 9 a.m.
1: It's the <laughs> I, most- I would love to just do cameos. I I I jokingly said after I did Louie that uh I just want to play this character. If I ever act again, it's only Eddie who's gonna kill himself. <laughs> I don't care if it's young Sheldon and I just have one scene where I'm Eddie and I'm going to kill myself and just,
0: That's really. Funny. Uh, in fact, I
1: did a very small part in Carl Pilkington. Do you know Carl Pilkington, uh, an idiot abroad. It was Ricky Gervais project. Anyway, he had a, a show and, uh, they hired me to do a, a part and, uh, and I asked them if they'd changed the character's name to Eddie because it doesn't matter. And just allow me at one point say, oh, I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> and they, yeah, they let really me throw funny. that in.
0: That's really funny. Well, that's there's I'm gonna tell you something. There's a m- lot of roles for that guy. There's a that guy, that guy could pop up in a lot of scripts that are out there. <laughs> Think about it.
1: Yeah, no, I would do that. I would, I would, and and that would also. Okay, I just show up for one day, and then and I can say I'm in the movie. I would like I was I went to uh, I I know Johnny Depp a little bit, and I went to uh, he was in Australia filming the last Pirates he did, and I I, I kind of I didn't ask him because I didn't want to be a douche, but uh, I wanted to be an extra in a scene, like I, I just. Like, is that Doug Stanhope in the background? Yeah, like that, that, that would but be great. I, well, and I didn't mostly because it's uh, it would be a pain because they'd have to dress me up as a fucking pirate. Like, if I could just be a guy drinking coffee in the background, like, I, I want people to go, hey, that's fucking Doug Stanhope.
0: No, and here's the problem, because I've had a couple friends over the years on my movies say, hey, can I be, can I, yeah. And then they don't realize at 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning, you stand there, you're standing there all day, buddy, yep, you're there all day, okay from eighty i am gonna shoot this can- this scene fifteen different ways. you're always there,
1: yep, no you're but when there. i was when I moved to l a in eighty five when I started doing doing toner that scam I was eighteen and i did i did my share of extra work uh and yeah, i remember a oh, uh, god I can't remember her name now some some movie with Bruce Dern Lee Remick was her, the actress's name and she said hi to me because I was at the craft services table not realizing I'm not supposed to be I'm supposed to be at the other shitty craft services table and she said hi to me and I fucking raised home and called my mom <laughs> 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 Lee Remick said hi to me
0: well I was gonna tell you I I did this movie man about town this Lionsgate movie with Ben Affleck that just went off the rails and bombed but but john cleese did three days in it and uh, he was so great he was just so great to work with and i went to d- dinner with him in this chinese restaurant i go god you're so much fun he goes i'm fun because i'm here three days
1: <laughs>
0: i'm i'm miserable to work with any longer <laughs> you know he's just that's it <laughs> You got me, you, you hit my mark, you know, and I makes so much sense, you know, after I, to me being an actor on a, something more than three days would
1: be. I, I, I love reading the story. I just read one about, uh, the last Mad Max, uh, Fury Road. I read a book about the making of, and it was one of those disaster, you know, like the, the behind the scenes is so like Apocalypse Now, that, that whole Hearts of Darkness documentary they did, and uh, Island of Dr. Moreau was evidently a clusterfuck. I love those stories about the, these productions that are just haywire. And this this book was, it was, like, I think it was like 18 hours, and I wished it never ended.
0: Yep, yeah. Really? You guys did 18-hour sh-
1: shoots? No, no, no. This book, I just... Oh, oh. Audible oh. book. I, I love stories about... You know, production behind the scenes shit going wrong. So oh, I, just, I thought I was, you
0: said yeah, so. And the one you just did was 18 hours. Yeah. yeah no,
1: no. And, uh, well, we had a lot of shit go wrong, but it was nothing exciting. Like, okay, we lost our location at the last minute. Like, we're not going to be able to film that scene. So we're going to have to correct the script. And uh, so, yeah, we hadn't, we didn't have anyone going fucking haywire and sh- shooting guns. And
0: well, if you like those books, there's a book called Final Cut.
1: I think I read that. Is yeah. it
0: uh I forget what movie, what the name of the movie but it was about a horrible it was a, it was I think it was a Richard Gere movie and uh it brought a studio down at the time. It, it was it was
1: uh I just got one about Bonfire of the Vanities. Oh yeah, that yeah, that was a good book. I, I forget the name was, of the book. But. Yeah, I
0: know that. I know the name of that. I know that book. I read that book. But that final cut, me—that's uh, not it, is it? But it was—it brought a studio
1: down. Heaven's Gate, <laughs> dreams and disaster in the making yes. of Heaven's Gate. That's, yes, that's yes.
0: The one. But that's what, you know when you can read about an unruly production, and at the the, at the double banger of at the same time there, it's bringing a studio down. It's like
1: that's like
0: movie porn.
1: That was, that was Warren Beatty, right? Heaven's gate. Yeah.
0: Heaven's gate. Warren Beatty, uh, Dustin Hoffman. And the director was the, that, that, um, Elaine May, I believe. All right. Yeah, it's a great book. It's just a great book. You, you 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 can't put it
1: down. If it's on audible, I'm grabbing it. Yeah.
0: Well, listen, man. I just—I've uh I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I—I I don't know if you remember. I came backstage one one night at your show. I just was like like a little kid, you know. I just—I just been wanting to talk to you, and I was always so bummed that I didn't get you in that documentary because, you know, I just—you're—you're you're, you're the real deal, you know.
1: Yeah, but I—I I, I don't. I would have felt uncomfortable. I would if I was in that. I would feel like there's a million comics going. He's never at the comedy store. He's rarely there. I I, I perform there uh, uh, yeah, for money when I when I have a new a, a new set. I'll I found turn a great
0: picture of the- you though with you and Rogan. Like I think Rogan kissing yeah. you, and I put it in the documentary. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I saw that. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I appreciated that.
0: Yeah, cool. All right, man. Well, listen. Just know I'm a big fan of yours, and uh, one of these days I'll talk you into do playing a a, a sober guy who doesn't. Touch dr- drugs or smoke in, in, a, in a movie. And you'll go, wait a minute, I can't do that. That's acting.
1: That's and bullshit. I'll, and I'll have a Cockney accent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Mike, it's a pleasure. And uh, you too, son. Little Thanks, boy in Doug. The corner. Great to meet you. Yeah, that's a fucking great club up in Detroit. Uh, as soon as I have an act, I'll be back there. They would not love to soon. have you. Yeah. All right. Do well.
0: Okay. There's another episode down. Man, Doug Stanhope. Let's all make sure we watch his movie, Road Dog. But more important, check out his specials and his books on Amazon. He really, uh, some of his books are just incredible. And his specials, they're all up there. You can go to Amazon, just get him. He just does his own thing. He makes his own products, markets them. He's got a great Patreon. If you want to go to Patreon and sign up, I've, I'm have i a member. I have signed up. It's not a lot of money. It's a pittance to support the guy. I strongly suggest that you do that as well. Patrick, I'm there's doing no it. reason why a, a fella like you who's regularly employed can't sign up as a regular member of the Doug Stanhope Patreon. You're right. It, it can't be easy pounding out a living from Bigsden, Arizona, wherever the hell that guy's living in. I know. And, but boy, I'd, I would love to get him in one of my movies sometime. You know, he'd be great. He's a talented dude, but that's it. I love this podcast. Having some really talented people and I want to get Leanne Morgan. Leanne Morgan. Damn you. You got to come on here. (laughs) You crazy lady. All right. That's it. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week. We have some fun coming up. I love you. Thank you so much for the support. Be happy.